This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, We're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now in the UK this week, the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson published his resignation honours list that's the right every Prime Minister has to send people to the Lords, give them a knighthood or some other gong. Remarkably, Boris Johnson decided to give his father a knighthood. His father is a controversial character. They're not believed to get on very well and he has some form. Does this bring to an end the Boris Johnson show? I doubt it. He's on manoeuvres. He's after Rishi Sunak. And, of course, given the state of the British economy and the Tory party, nobody can rule a return of Boris Johnson out. I'm joined now by Chris Johns. Chris is former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland and now a respected commentator. Chris, this knighthood for his father in the list of Boris scandals, it probably features nowhere but it is characteristically brazen. And I was thinking that it's seven years now since the referendum in 2016 when Britain decided to leave. Johnson led the campaign, the Leave campaign, subsequently in 2019 became Prime Minister, went through Partygate, scandal after scandal, and he won't go away, will he? No, he's he's going to be around for a very long time, I fear. This knighthood for his dad um i think missed the trick actually i say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek that if he'd thought this through and of course johnson rarely thinks anything through rather than what he's going to do for the next 10 minutes he would have given his father an hereditary peerage uh, which i think you know would have given him uh, a title for when stanley shuffles off this mortal coil it, el- it elicited two reactions in in the uk one was just a shrug and, you know, people just moved, attention moved elsewhere. And relatedly, it was more of a, what would you, what do you expect? This is what Johnson is like. So I think that the normalization of this kind of behavior is perhaps the, the most worrying aspect of it, that um, people weren't surprised. Nobody was astonished. Uh, his sister, Rachel Johnson, went on the airwaves yes. at the day after trying to justify it. Uh, I wasn't quite sure whether she was being serious or whether she was almost trying to suppress a giggle when she was saying 
nice things about her father and the reasons why he deserved this honour. But, uh, yeah, it's low down on the list of what Johnson has done over the years, but it's just part of a piece, isn't it? It is indeed, but the cost for Britain has been remarkable, really. There's been five prime ministers now, going back to David Cameron, then Theresa May, and after Theresa May, Boris Johnson, and then we have Liz Truss, and now Rishi Sunak. Sunak, in his dealings with Europe, and they are particularly relevant to us here, appeared to show some spirit and some guts last week. But he is very much on Johnson's hit list, isn't he? Very much so. Johnson blames him for losing number 10 Downing Street. And it was Sunak's resignation as Chancellor that was, I think, the final straw. Um, and Johnson not only wishes to, to have his revenge and to do Sunak down, uh, he still clings, I hope forlornly, to the hope that he, there is a route back to 10 Downing Street for him. Um, he's backed off uh, on this particular issue uh, of Europe, and in particular the deal uh, over the Northern Ireland Protocol. It was instructive to watch a speech he made to um, a gathering in London shortly after that Sudak deal was announced, and he, uh, for once, had a rare moment of both honesty and insight in the same in the, in the same sentence, in which he said, "Look, I, I'm against it, but I'm reading the room here." And this was the audience that he was talking to, but he's also referring to the country at large. This is something that you all want. I can he feel that. I can sense it. So the implication was, I'm going to back off. I'm not going to make a particular fuss about this particular issue. But I'm still here. I'm still waiting. I'm not going to vote for it if and when it comes to Parliament. But something else will come along, I think, was the, the subtext, the, the, the hidden words, if you like, of what he was saying is that there will come an issue in which I can challenge Sunak on and you will support me. You will be on my side. You're not on my side for this one. I can see that. He read the room correctly. And he, he's just lying in the long grass waiting now. Now, in the process of leaving Europe and taking Northern Ireland with him, he lied to the Irish government, he lied to the DUP, and he lied to Europe. He lies habitually. What is it, Chris, that the British people find attractive about? I can understand why the Tories want him. Isn't it the case that they're facing into electoral Armageddon if the opinion polls are to be believed. And it's, there's a large section or a substantial section of the Tory party that believe he's the only guy who can save them. Yes, they do believe that. Uh, I think they're wrong. Uh, I think that the British people in the round, uh, on average, if you like, have tired of Johnson, have tired of his lies, have tired of him not actually doing anything to make their lives better. Yes. Because life over the last few years in Britain has got steadily worse from an economic, social, and political perspective. There's now enough uh, degradation of ordinary life for everybody, if not to notice it in their own lives, to, to notice it in, in the situation around them, and to know that nothing is being done about it. Nothing has been done about the state of the NHS, the railways, public services generally. All sorts of things about Britain that need fixing um, have not been fixed in these 
internecine Brexit wars that Johnson launched was responsible for and really got elected with his 80-seat majority to carry on. He sees the route to his success as being one a path of carrying on these culture wars, whereas I think the British people, most of us, not all of us, most of us have tired of them and really are looking to politicians to start fixing things. And this is Rishi Sunak's strength, is that from this deal that he's done with the European Union, he has acquired a shimmer, a sheen, a patina of competence, of being able to get something done to make something better. And if he can follow it up with some other things, I think actually that's the route that the conserv- the, 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 their best chance that the Conservatives have to regaining something resembling um, electoral success. I'm not saying he can close the gap with Labour as, as it is at the moment, but I do think Sunak is a much better person for the Conservatives, much better politician for the Conservatives than Johnson will ever be. It's a, I think it's a myth. It's a look backwards thing to, to the past where Johnson was an electoral asset. I think he's become an electoral liability. Just look at the opinion polls from his own constituency, Eamon. Yes. If, he, if we, there was a by-election in Uxbridge tomorrow, uh, he would be absolutely trounced. He, he, he may not even come third. Um, and that's the problem. He's no longer the electoral asset, even in his own constituencies, definitely not the country at large. So I think those Tories, those Tory MPs, those members of the party that look on him fondly, are a minority in the country now. And they, um, they're making a big mistake. Their best route back to electoral success would be to give Sunak their wholehearted backing and to just move on from the Johnson era. But like, I suppose, those Japanese soldiers who were fought, found in the jungle years after World War II ended. Some people just want to carry on fighting. Yes, and the, the case Johnson has to answer for misleading Parliament is now before the ultimate committee. There are four instances in which it is believed, and it's clear in fact, that he did mislead Parliament about the parties that he not only knew about but was at. And if they find against him, if they find he has misled Parliament, that's a very serious offence, and it could lead to him being, as it were, recalled, which means he'd have to resign his seat and fight it again. That is one possibility. The the the, the favourite in Westminster at the moment, and nobody's really quite sure how this is going to go, but the, the mutterings that I've heard is that he he won't come out of this well, but it won't amount to that kind of punishment. He'll get right. more of a rap on the knuckles with a month's suspension from the House. And that may not lead to to the nuclear outcome that, that you just suggested there for Johnson. So he is in trouble on this. But of course, when the uh, initial reports of what that committee was, was up to came out last week, um, he immediately claimed that they had vindicated him. Yes. And this is the extraordinary post-truth or, or fact-free world that Johnson is trying to create or still lives in himself, when it was quite clear that the committee had found even more photographs and more evidence than Sue Gray ever did and, and has published some of these things. They have come out. So how you can then claim vindication from this is, is, was utterly beyond me and utterly beyond, frankly, an awful lot of his backbenchers as well. Um, there, there was a, a headline, I think it was in the London Times, by saying that uh, uh, finally Johnson, I think yes, it was Saturday's Times. Johnson goes full Trump, um, and he's he, yes. and and in, entered this this post truth, post fact universe that, that the Trumpian types live in. 
Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What has been his bequest to the Tory party, Chris? I was looking at the Home Secretary today, Suella Braverman. She's trying to deal, or says she is, it's her responsibility as Home Secretary, with the immigration crisis. She is the person who stood at the dispatch box a few weeks ago and said her dream was to see a 747 taking off from Heathrow full of what she called illegal immigrants headed for Rwanda. He has bequeathed to the Tory party some desperate looking people who don't look fit for office or even for parliament. There seems to be at the heart of the Tory party something really rotten it's reflected in sleaze in many instances, but also in the kind of hard-right policies that you might think a far-right party rather than the Tories would have. Well, these policies are far-right policies. <clears throat> I think the time has come, or maybe, maybe it came a long time ago, to call them what they are, to call it out. And this immigration policy is definitely up there with anything that you might describe as far right. Even yes. If you, you start with start with the title of the bill that they kind of sort of published but not published, that's instructive in and of itself, is that they don't want the legal eagles getting at it too quickly because they're, they're trying to write it as we speak. And it's called the Illegal Immigration Bill. Now just think about that for a second. The bill itself is calling itself illegal. Um, which is really, really strange PR, strange cons. Yeah. And the really strange thing is that the legal types that have had a look at it insofar as they can think that this law, bizarrely, is going to be illegal. It could breach UK law. Some 
precedent decisions made by the appeal court relatively recently, and it almost certainly breaks Britain's obligations to international treaties. So the law that they're trying to pass is illegal. Um, it, as you know from that statement that she made about putting people on a plane to Rwanda, they've been trying to do and this for she, nearly she said a year. It's a now. dream. A dream to put um, people on a plane to Rwanda. First of all, the deal apparently looks like it was only set up to send a few hundred people in the first place. So it's hardly, it's a tragedy certainly for anybody that ends up being part of that if they eventually do have to be sent there. But Rwanda was paid £120 million, a small change for Britain, uh, a big deal for Rwanda. If it was the other way around, do you know what that would have meant to Britain? If Rwanda was given to Britain a, the proportionately similar sum of money, it would have been £40 billion. That's what that yes. sum of money meant to Kagame of um, Rwanda. He's played the British government very, very well here, because as you know, not a single person has been sent to Rwanda. And I would bet you that nobody ever does go because of all of these legal impediments, because this is just pure performative politics. It's posturing, but it's also wicked posturing. And as I say, the time has come to call this out. You may, you probably do know that Gary Lineker has entered this particular arena. I do, yes. He entered it yesterday. And I have to say, I didn't think what he said was accurate. He likened Suella Braverman and her bill to something the Nazis would have. Uh, what he said precisely, Amy, was that the language being used was yes. similar to, to the, the Nazis. And if uh, people have gone back and had a look at some 1930s German newspapers, and um, there are similarities, actually, the language. And this is why it's important to call this out, because the language being used, the demonization of foreigners, the demonization of um, ethnic people, yes. the demonization of these poor people who arrive on boats. I think that there are some broad similarities. But okay, we so we can agree to disagree over whether Lineker was accurate in his statement, but he, he has the right to make those statements. It's a country of free speech. Yeah. And interestingly, all of the people that have crawled out of the woodwork condemning him and saying that he should be fired from the BBC, that it was a disgrace that he said this, um, are all people who normally are jumping up and down, crying out for free speech, and, and are decrying people who, um, in universities and other people who try to no-platform people as snowflakes, and yes. that we, we need to be more robust in our defense of free speech, until somebody like Gary Lineker pops up and says what he has to say. It's all very well for somebody. Do you, do you remember the name Marc Francois? I think he's now do, head yes. of the ERG. He yeah. called the he said the EU was a Nazi regime. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody ever call him out on this? No. No. So it's very two-sided. It's uh, very um hypocritical, two-faced, and I think that um it, it it is a particularly nasty vicious policy. Uh, it was very interesting to listen to Sunak make his speech yesterday. I know he watched it when he was standing on his podium. Um, in Downing Street, introducing the, the no boats law to, this, to try and honour the one of five yeah. promises no that he's made. No small boats. Yes, and he said that the people who have people who have crossed, and he said this: he's people who have crossed multiple countries and have the resources to pay the people smugglers across to get them across the channel can't be that desperate. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it was extraordinary stuff. Yes. And this is all playing, throwing red meat to some, whether it's real or imagined, I don't know, conservative base. Because you might ask me about what the British people think about this. What I'm going um, to ask you about, but more specifically, Chris, is 
there are rumours that Johnson is looking for a safe Tory seat and it's clear that he's still popular with a section or a segment of the Tory party. Is it the members of the Tory party? You think? Yes, it's, it's a handful of backbenchers, uh, probably about, well, they say a handful, a large number of backbenchers, probably about 100 would like to have him back. And the certainly I would say the vast majority of the membership, the people on the ground of the Tory party would like him back. Now, the thing, the, the thing I would say to Sunak, the best the unsolicited advice I would give him is just don't let him do it. One of the ways to see Johnson off is just to keep him in his Uxbridge constituency. Don't <laughs> let him have another one. Because I think it is in Sunak's power to deny him this under the rules of the Tory party. Yeah, and uh, the problem that Sunak has is, well, that everybody has, is that at every opportunity, the ghosts come up, the ghosts of Boris. Sue Gray, for example, I think unwisely that Sir Keir Starmer said, appointed her, said she'd been appointed now as the new, as his chief of staff for the Labour Party. And that has caused some disquiet, shall we say, because she was the person who did the famous or infamous Sue Gray report investigation into Johnson's behaviour during the Partygate scandal. And she's the one who, as it were, produced a definitive report. The case being made against her is that she had a massive conflict of interest if she was talking to Keir Starmer at the same time she was investigating the Prime Minister of the day, Boris. Yeah, the, the, the Sue Gray thing about going off to being Keir Starmer's chief of staff uh, is both right and wrong. It's right in the sense that you know all the letter of the law will be obeyed, um, there will be guarding leave, it will be referred to a particular committee that judges these things and normally reaches a determination about how long, in this particular case, the civil servant, sometimes it's a politician, has to do gardening leave. No doubt that there will be lots of versions of the Official Secrets Act that she will have to sign, non-disclosure arrangements, and it will all be done absolutely fine. She's an absolutely outstanding candidate for the job. There is plenty of precedent for both politicians and civil servants to be moving into these kinds of roles in the past. It has happened previously. It's wrong because it just simply handed the Tories a stick with which to beat Keir Starmer. So it's politically tin-eared. Um, a bit, a bit dopey, if you ask me. That if, if if I had been asked, I would have said, "Don't do it." It is absolutely a good idea. She will be a brilliant chief of staff. There's nothing technically wrong. It is both within the letter and, frankly, the spirit of all of the rules that she can do this. It, it, there is plenty of precedent for it. But you're going to get slaughtered in the right wing media and by the Tory Party. It's going to be a distraction when you've got all these things going on in the country that needs to be being de- debated, don't let them hijack the agenda with another Sue Gray story. But he went ahead and did it anyway. I really don't, un- I don't understand the politics of it. I understand the logic of it in terms of her being absolutely brilliant for the role, but it, it was daft. And it, it, it did hand the Tories yet another thing to push up to the agenda, push up the agenda yes. to get the Daily Mail headlines about Sue Gray, to get... Boris Johnson was allowed to say that he was stitched up, that it was all a socialist plot to get him out of office, all of this conspiracy nonsense. Just as the boat story serves a number of uh, objectives, one being 
red meat to the backbenches and to the members of the Tory party and to the Daily Mail. The other is it gets all this other stuff, the cost of living crisis, the NHS crisis, trains not running, off the front pages and uh, off the, the nightly news. So it's again, it's about agenda setting yes. and controlling the narrative. And, the, and this is what they're very, very good at. And what I suspect here, Starmer and Labour still haven't fully mastered. Do you think, Chris, that, I mean, the opinion polls as they stand give Labour a lead of minimum 20 percentage points, maximum 28 in another opinion poll. When you look around you and you're talking to us from London, do you think Labour are sure to win the next general election or do you think there is conceivably a way back for Sunak's Tory party and all that goes with that, which is Suella Braverman and a few more. The deputy prime minister, Dominic Raab, has been accused of bullying and there are a number of civil servants who are party to that accusation. It's being investigated at the moment. If, for example, the deputy prime minister is found to be guilty of bullying people in a number of departments where he was a minister, then surely the game would be up. But what's your sense of the mood of the country, Chris? There was a time, for example, when it was obvious that Blair was going to be a shoe-in. And then there was a time after the Iraq war when it was obvious he was going to be a shoe-out. What's your feeling of that mood Things can obviously change very quickly, but if the election was held in the next few weeks, then Keir Starmer would be a shoo-in. Stephen Bush, who's um, an associate editor and yes. political columnist at the Financial Times, very, very good writer, put it very well this week when he said that the Tories' best chance of electoral redemption is Rishi Sunak. He agrees with me that Sunak is an electoral asset. And I do think that over the next few weeks, we will see something of a little bounce in the opinion polls, partly thanks to the deal that he has done with the EU over the Northern Ireland Protocol. He will get some political credit for that. Stephen Bush put it this way. He said the right way to run the next general election campaign, which now looks likely to be next year, um, possibly this year, but probably next, is to run it as a uh, vote for Rishi Sunak and then sotto voce, soft, you know, put it in the footnote. Unfortunately, he has a conservative party attached to him. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think, captures it very well, is the conservative party, that label, that name is toxic now, right now. Um, but Sunak is their best hope of at least taking a little bit of the edge off that. If they run on that strategy, I think he can close the gap. Yeah, I doubt that he can close it fully, but... There are plenty of political thinkers in this country who think that for that reason, because Sunak is good at what he's doing, with the small exception of the small boats, of course, you probably can hear that I feel quite strongly about that. Yes. But he is very good politically in the round and that he will close that gap with Labour. You combine that with the way in which the, the British first-past-the-post system combines with the way all the different boundaries are. So what do I mean by that? I mean, an awful lot of those Labour excess votes are going to be wasted because they won't matter because they will be in constituencies that would have elected a Labour member anyway. So a lot depends on how that electoral arithmetic falls. But the smarter analysts, I think, are saying, well, Sunak will close the gap. The way the electoral system works in the UK will actually lead to a hung parliament. Yes, they have a big gap of 80 
they have an 80-seat majority. <clears throat> the thing that Sunak will have to do at some stage, Chris, is face up to the DUP, who may well reject the agreement that he's done with Europe, the part of it that, and it's a major part of it, that has to do with the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, he stood up to his own backbenchers on that matter and he showed some political courage. What's he going to do if the DUP say, no thanks? I think he's going to say to them, take it or leave it um, and let the dice fall where they may. Right. And of course, that raises huge implications for yes, the does. restoration of power sharing. It, it, it may not happen, probably won't happen in those circumstances, which of course has huge implications for the whole of Ireland. Um, but I suspect that Sunak knows, um, I'd be pretty sure he knows, that this is the best deal he's ever going to get on this issue from yes. the EU. He's got far more concessions that Johnson was ever close to getting, that Johnson even thought of asking for, actually. So that the EU has done him a favour. I think the, the people who matter in the Tory party know this. I think Johnson has caught the mood of the people of the country at large in that what actually happened over the last couple of weeks is that now this may well be temporary, it may well be very ephemeral, but there was a sense of thank God it's over. Yes. Thank God this Brexit thing has finally been done. We can now focus on something else. Nobody in this country wants to talk about Brexit ever again. Isn't we never it true, ever Chris, that the opinion polls on this now show about 65% of British people regretting the leave vote. Yes, there is there is um, huge regret. Um, it is showing up in a very large gap between those who think that leaving was in fact a good idea and those that think it was a terrible idea. Um, those of us that always thought it was a terrible idea are now very much in the majority. But that the way that shows up in the national mood really is no no great appetite to um, re-engage with the Brexit wars. Mm, in of terms, course not, in terms, no. We're fed up with that. There's no appetite to um, re-litigate the referendum, and there's certainly no appetite to start any process to go back into the EU. This is something that everybody, everybody just wants to forget about, move on, and start dealing with other problems. And I think this is where Sunak has got an edge, because I think this is what Johnson, You met, remember I mentioned earlier, that he caught this mood. He realized yes. that this was the mood of people, that people just wanted to move on from this stuff. They don't want these Brexit culture wars anymore, which is why he's backed off on this issue and from being quite noisy at first has gone very, very quiet. He's still there, yes. as I say, he's still waiting. But th this um, wanting to move on from all of this is something that Sunak is quite capable of capitalizing on, I think. Well, let's finish on a controversial note, Chris, our conversation. The one thing that can be said in Johnson's favour is that his intervention when he was Prime Minister in Ukraine was swift, the first European or even perhaps even swifter than the Americans, the move to give weapons to Ukraine to get 100% behind them with whatever Britain could do to help. And that should be said, should it not, although there isn't another thing that I can think of. In fact, I can't think of another. And it leads me to the, to the final question, and it's this. Would it be inconceivable to imagine Boris Johnson leading a Tory party to electoral victory some stage in the future? 
never say never. Uh, <laughs> I would say I would say that that um, that's still not a zero chance, but it is a shrinking chance compared to even where we were a week ago. Right. But as we know, the old saying in politics is that a week is a very very long time. And I was struck by an exiled politician from Belarus, a country that borders both Ukraine and Russia, that yes. is very much, at least in terms of its leadership, in the Russian camp, and the exile was very much not, was talking about the British politician who could do most to help the situation in Belarus in particular, but also in Ukraine. And guess who she said was the politician that she loved the most in the UK because well, of how much he has helped and how much he could help. I saw the interview on Newsnight. Boris Johnson. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Chris, it's great, as always, uh, to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Chris has his own podcast uh, with Jim Power. It's called The Other Hand, and he is always a welcome guest on the stand. We're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively but not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.